0: Well, uh, good morning, everyone. My name is Joel Thiessen, and I am the board secretary here at Skyview. And my day job, when I'm not here, is as a professor of sociology. And I study religion in Canada, religious beliefs and uh, attitudes and behaviors. And this morning, uh, Pastor Stu invited myself with Pastor Ryan and Pastor Jen uh, for a conversation to talk about uh, covid Uh, Church community and you and I, Uh, you know, one of the central questions I constantly see in my research and things that we're talking about here at at Skyview is, uh, why church? Why should we gather together? How should we think about this theologically, scripturally, and so forth? And so we're going to have a conversation before we do that, we thought we'd have a little bit of fun with all of us gathered here, and if you're watching us at home. Uh, so what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to take your cell phone out uh, with you. You can do this at home as well. Everyone here in the uh, congregation can do this as well. And I want you to go to a website called menti.com, M-E-N-T-I.com. And when you get there, uh, you will see, uh, well, I'm going to give you a code here to access this, uh, a code five. 87380. And you'll punch in that code and it will allow you to look at the question before us. We're going to look at three questions. We're going to share some data as well. And here is the first question What proportion of regular attenders uh, pre COVID would you say have never attended a church service in person or watched online during COVID? Okay, so I'm going to give you a minute to answer this question, and you can do this online from home or here in the service. The code again is 4587380, and you'll see this, you should see it anyways, at the top of your screen. So, we'll give you a second here to fill in your responses, and then I'll give us the right answer. We'll have a few of these to give us a bit of an orientation. Now, I'm a sociologist. We're always thinking about uh, how do our perceptions align with reality? How does what we think the answer is uh, shape how we actually behave? And so, this is one of the reasons I'm going to give us the answer. So... Uh, The largest response from those here, and the answers are still coming in, uh, 16 to 30%, you would say, uh, almost half of you say that uh, we fit within this range. I'll give another 10 seconds or so as you're filling that out, and then I will share the answer. All right, we also have a quarter who think about 46 to 60%, never... Uh, attend either in person or online. All right, here's the data. This comes from some research in the US. We have very little data in Canada on this. A 20% of regular attenders have never attended a service during COVID, either in person or watching a service online. Uh, about one third of regular attenders have attended an in person service during COVID, and 72% have watched at least one service online during COVID. All right. All right, let's go to question number 2. We'll change to the next slide. What proportion of non-churchgoers pre-COVID, those who would never attend church, would you say have watched a service online during COVID? So we'll click to the next slide and give you an opportunity to answer that question. Just going through a slight technical glitch. Just give us a second here. You should see it on your screen already. No, that's the end? That's the end of this live show. All right. So sad. Well, uh, I'll I'll give you, are you able to fill it out online still? Can you still see the responses? No, you can't see anything on there. All right. Well, I'm going to give you some data then. Share with how the answers have actually unfolded. All right. 17% of non-attenders pre-COVID have watched a service online during COVID. Uh, This is important because a lot of people assume that as soon as you go online, that everyone's kind of watching online, even non-church attenders. And the reality is, this is not necessarily the norm. Uh, It is there for some, but uh, this is not commonly uh, a regular practice, shall we say, among non-churchgoers pre-COVID. All right, one final question. Any love for the final question? Nope, that's it. All right. Uh, Well, here's what the question was going to be. What would you say is the greatest pressure point that pastors confront during COVID? I'm going to read you five answers. You can give some thought. Uh, if you're here with us in person, you can raise your hand. Okay, I'll read the five options, and then we'll, uh, I'll go back through and give you a chance to vote. Okay, first option. Uh, complaints, conflict, or unity on how to uh, respond to COVID. Okay, that's one response. Uh, second, pastoral care from a distance. Third, concern whether attenders will return. Fourth, church finances. And fifth, personally exhausted, stressed, or isolated. Those are your five answers. I'm going to read through them again now as I read them. Those of you who are here in person, I want you to raise your hand if you would say this is the number one pressure point that pastors confront during COVID. All right, first option, uh, maintaining unity, conflict, and complaints during COVID. Show of hands if you would say this is like the lead pressure point. Okay, we have a couple here. All right, option number two, pastoral care from a distance. Show of hands if you think that is. Okay, we have a few more hands showing up here. Third, concern whether attendees will return. Show of hands. Okay, a few more hands. The most hands we've seen so far. Fourth, church finances. Show of hands. We have a couple of hands there. All right, and fifth, personally exhausted, stressed, or isolated. All right, the most hands have come up here. All right, friends, this is why we have sociologists. Because we look at perceptions and we look at the reality. Here it is. Far and away, the number one pressure point that pastors confront during COVID is maintaining unity, conflict, and complaints within a congregation. Uh, Almost 30% of pastors indicate this is the number one stress they confront. Number two, pastoral care from a distance About 17% indicate that this is one of the greatest strains they confront. Third, personally exhausted, stressed, or isolated, 12%. Number four, church finances at 8%. And number five, concern whether attenders will return at 6%. So some fun facts, if you will, grounded in some larger survey data out of the United States. Uh, But we've used this as an entrance point to begin thinking about this question, why church? Why gather? What is the value, whether we gather in person, whether we gather at the same time uh, online at 1030 every Sunday morning, or whether we are watching services over the course of the week? This is the question that anchors us. Uh, what we thought before we launch into our actual conversation here, uh, is we've asked Pastor Stu to uh, lead us in scripture. And help us to think and frame scripturally um, some of the value and benefit for gathering together. So, Pastor Stu, I'm going to invite you to uh, open our time in Scripture.
1: This morning, the Scripture that I'm reading is from Acts chapter 2, from verse 42 through to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Pastor Stu, our our senior pastor, uh, Pastor Ryan, our associate pastor of youth and young adults, and Pastor Jen, uh, pastor of children's ministry here. Uh, Looking forward to hearing from you and want to begin, Pastor Stu, with yourself on this question of why is it important to gather for collective worship and prayer and song and scripture, whether in person together, whether joining communally at the same time from our own homes uh, or watching over the course of the week, in particular, when we know it's so comfortable to sit on our couch with our coffee and our pajamas uh, and watching, why gather?
1: That's, that's a, such a significant question, I think, that has been on the minds of many people, including pastors. And, um, you know, uh, sitting at home and and watching it over a cup of coffee, we're glad that we can do that. Let me just say that. I'm glad that there are opportunity for people who perhaps uh, have um, conditions that would make them more susceptible to infection uh, and to contracting this virus that can watch from home. But the Bible seems to teach us that we are a people that are shaped by habits, Um, whether we realize this or not, but what we do on a consistent basis shapes the people we become. And, uh, you know, the apostle Paul, when he makes that great turn in Romans in chapter 12, says, you know, present yourselves, you know, he talks about your entire selves as living sacrifices holy and acceptable unto God, and he says this, this is your reasonable act of worship. It's like Paul is saying, worship is certainly not just gathering on a Sunday and having great songs to sing and hearing a profound exegetical message, amen, (laughs) that all of life is to be lived to the glory and the honor of God and everything about us. But there is this part of coming together as God's people that I think we often forsake because we don't recognize how important what we do is to who we're becoming. And so that's how I would frame a response. I would say the patterns of our life. Right now, if you were to ask yourself a question, what things do I do consistently and how do they make me the person that I am? you will see the impact that repetitive disciplines or habits can have upon us. How much more then is it important for us to have godly, spiritual, biblically informed habits that turns within us this uh, formative kind of way of becoming Christian. And uh, I, I chatted with both pastors up here with me and Pastor Brittany can join us today. She's not feeling well uh, about this. And so they're going to add to kind of this idea that what we do uh, shapes who we become.
0: Yeah. Now, Pastor Ryan, we'll hear from you in a moment as it relates to youth and young adults, and in particular at this stage of life, gathering together. Uh, I was thinking as you were talking, Pastor Stu, sociologically, we know that um, the longer we go without a particular habit, the harder it is to pick it up. And it's interesting, we look at data that most people think that their pre-COVID habits will return post-COVID. And yet sociologically, one can't help but ask the question of the longer the gap, how likely is that and how important theologically it is to think about these things? Pastor Ryan, uh, how do you think about this value for uh, youth and young adults and, and the habit of gathering together and theologically why it's so valuable?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think this is a question that if we're honest with ourselves, we've been asking a lot longer than just COVID, All right? Maybe maybe that that Sunday morning that you wake up and you're just exhausted or the Saturday night where you want to go out and do things and you know that if I go out and do this, I probably won't wake up in time for church. That I, I've asked that question all my life. I was a missionary kid growing up, and so it meant that I was dragged to church a lot and dragged to church in special ways because we would do um, presentations. My parents would do rotation around all these churches and give the presentation about when we were back in the States about what we, what, what we had done um, at our missionary assignment, and so I would hear this. Imagine hearing the same presentation every Sunday. Aren't we thankful that Pastor Sue preaches something different every Sunday? And so I asked myself that question a lot. And again, if I was honest with myself, the answer to that when I was a teenager, when I was participating in youth group, I came uh, because of free food. It was like the reason to be at youth group, and in, in a lot of ways, to to be in fellowship with people. But beyond that, I really didn't have much answer outside of that. And so I think, you know, Pastor Stu hits on something that it's easy for us right now to affirm that it's important to gather. I think we've all maybe felt that burden um, when we haven't been able, like, uh, just please not one more Zoom call in this time. Uh, But I think the question could go even deeper to say it's not just about the purpose of gathering, but it's about how we gather because I think we can gather in, in plenty of ways. So, so theologically speaking, um, we could go to an example found in the book of Romans. Uh, Roman, the, Paul's speaking to the Roman church uh, about their gathering. Uh, they're, they're really at the, the infancy of their, what the church would become. And he speaks about this imagery of the table. It's imagery we get often throughout scripture, but I think it's a really uh, foundational image for us that what happens at the Lord's Supper what happens in this meal that was instituted by Christ in the upper room um, that stems all the way back to early history of Israel. But what's happening in that moment really begins to answer the question of not why should we gather, but when we gather, pre-assuming that we would, how do we do that? And so he comes into the Roman church, and there's this interesting uh, emphasis put on meals, the ways that people gathered together. There was this thing called the Roman symposia. It was the, the meal in which they would gather but that meal was all based on hierarchy. Like if you've ever had family holidays and there's an adult table and a kid's table, right, and that moment where you graduated up, uh, but there was, that was like ten, tenfold that idea, right? That every time they gathered for meals, it was all about who was at the head and then who was at the foot. And so when Paul speaks to the Roman church, he's saying, I want you to gather, because everybody's gathering, But more than that, I want you to gather in a specific way, that when you gather, like Pastor Stu's saying, that those things begin to shape you. And so I ask the question, maybe what is shaping us? Like uh, the ways we are gathering, are we gathering uh, around feelings of fear, um, discouragement, frustration? When we gather, are those the thoughts that are at the forefront of our minds? Because those are the things that will shape us. But maybe if we gather in a different way, if we gather at this table per se, uh, thinking through the, the holidays, the, the table was always such a profound place for my family because it was a place where we all were on equal ground. We all shared uh, meals together. We would often invite other people from the neighborhood that didn't have somebody so I think, I think the metaphor can go even further, but just begs this question that may, perhaps the way that we gather is what's crucial in
0: this conversation. Pastor Jen. Uh... Families are distinctly impacted in the ways in which COVID is unfolding, uh, in in all kinds of ways, church as well. Uh, How do you think about this question of the role and place for children, for parents, for family units when it comes to a gathering together with others and and worshiping?
3: Well, I think, uh, like Pastor Ryan said, this is not a new question. For years, I have heard parents Um, ask, why am I doing this? Um, It is not always the easiest or the happiest experience getting uh, multiple children out the door um, on any given morning, but um, when you have that sort of um, frenzy or um, stress and then you're expected to, okay, now we're going to worship, there can be a a real hard time getting on board, um, and so. But I think there's a couple of things. I think one, you as parents and us as um, other adults in the church are modeling um, the priority that we're setting for spiritual formation. We're called um, to do that in community, and so when our kids and teens see that we are making time for this, um, I think that makes an impact. I think. Like many other things uh, we try to model, we're not always going to get it right. Um, But that doesn't mean we kind of wash our hands of it. Um, I think the other, one of the other things is that having other adults in your kids' lives um, who love Jesus and are trying to follow him is so important. Um, Other adults and other people can speak into kids' life in a different way than parents. They listen um, differently than they do to their parents. It's a different sort of relationship. I know when I was a kid, the adults who who paid attention to me and showed me that I was valuable were just, I was like, you are the best person ever. Um, and so it's valuable for the kids to see that and to see other adults and for all of that modeling, but it's also important, the value added for us, for families and kids to be a present and heard and seen part of our community is, um, it's just such a value added. If you've ever had a um, grade one student pray for you, or you've heard a teenager explain, the character of God to a group of preschoolers, um, those moments are such a blessing to me and such a blessing to any of us who get to experience that kind of community. That's great. Uh,
0: we know, as we look at different research studies, that the family is the single greatest influencer over a child's faith development. It's not the church. It is secondary to what happens within the home among parents uh, and how that is modeled and instructed and demonstrated when it comes to religious beliefs and practices. And uh, along with that, then, are other adult mentors and influencers in and through the church. And so uh, our church here at Skyview, obviously, we take this important take this very importantly as uh, a value for helping to uh, train children in the ways of the Lord, seeing this as a value-added thing, but importantly partnering with parents as uh, a really important atmosphere for these things. Um, A second question I want to ask, and we'll start with you, Pastor Jen, then. Uh, There's a lot of talk about COVID posing challenges for churches, uh, but it also opens up new opportunities. And it creates ways and and space, I would say, that uh, perhaps we may not have encountered uh, pre-COVID. In what ways would you say uh, this period of time uh, in society and in our church's life has uh, strengthened uh, who and what we are becoming at Skyview and what do you think is necessary as we kind of grow into some of these newer realities
3: well I think um, for Skyview for so long um, and this was something that we were starting we have been wrestling since we moved into the building but for so long everything kind of revolved around Sunday morning and that's what church looked like that's what church meant Um, but I think it has opened up Such an amazing opportunity for us to think outside of those um, strict boundaries. And what does it mean to build community, to sustain community, um, to reach out when you are not seeing someone in person? There's definitely challenges with that. Um, It can be harder to um, stay connected to maybe people that you are kind of you're relying on that Sunday touch point to kind of check in with them. Um, But I think of over these past months, the different opportunities that children's ministry has had to just um, fellowship and have like a picnic in the park. And um, we weren't, because everything was so centered around Sunday and Sunday morning service, that um, I don't think we were looking at those opportunities as much. So I think... um, Thinking differently about how and when we meet, I think is a great, opens up a lot of different possibilities.
0: Pastor Ryan, you're, uh, you're new to Canada. <laughs> and
3: uh, you're new to this role.
0: Uh, you're new to the snow and cold. I can see the goosebumps, by the way, from here. <laughs> you can't see it on camera in your seat. Yeah, yeah. Um, what does ministry look like for youth and young adults? And how does this season of life open up new opportunities?
2: I think... Um, you know, just thinking through the transition in my last assignment, uh, we we had just gone into lockdown around the similar time that you all had here in Canada, and and moving from that in person to that online experience, there was a stark contrast. Right? Just, just in the way that we felt about it. Maybe, maybe it was kind of novel for a moment. Uh, maybe it was exciting, engaging. We had many Zoom dinners. Michaela and I played a, a board game over Zoom with some friends once. Right? There's, there's fun and creative ways that we can utilize this technology, but uh, I remember that first time that I saw one of my students, and I realized it had been six months since I'd seen them in person. And there was something that, that went on inside me that just felt right again. And so, not to uh, our purposes this morning is not at all to demean online engagement. Obviously, we have the ability and the technology to do really great things, reach into people's homes and lives, and, and be a people are of grace, I think, is really important that we be graceful towards one another, that um, people can't come for a variety of reasons, and that's okay. However, I think it's important for us to acknowledge maybe their own, own limitations when it comes to online engagement. Um, The often what I find is that the online uh, platform, especially when it comes to to youth culture in general, is that do you often find that it's easier to be cynical online? Um, In some ways, maybe it's even trendier or cooler to be critical. Like what gets the most shares or posts or likes online is the things that are often critiquing something else. I mean, it doesn't really even matter if it's informed or not. It doesn't have to be well-informed or well-articulated to be popular. It just has to be negative. And so I've found even in my own online engagement that the more enjoyable thing to do is to track the drama of the comments section and just kind of watch it all unfold. And it's been in moments like that where I've had to pause and ask myself, how am I I actually gathering in this moment? Kind of to go back to that uh, example of the, the Roman church, is that perhaps the way that I'm engaging with people um, majority of it online at the moment, am I just rebuilding up a hierarchy that the church is actually called to strip away? And so I think these are all questions that are crucial for us to ask in this time that um, wherever we are gathering, it becomes really important to us, like I said earlier, to ask how we are doing that. And sometimes the systems that we engage in um, can make it really easy for us to forget who we are called to be. And so I, I, I say that as a as a uh, a piece of encouragement and reminder for all of us that um oftentimes the people that we are called to be, oftentimes the 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 kind of church that we are invited to be uh will not always be the easiest format. It'll not always be the uh the most intuitive or the most um culturally appropriate at times. And I think we can get that confused like it's easy for us to say that we're supposed to be different than the world but then when it comes down to it we we really like to center our faith experience here in this worship service uh, in this moment and kind of fail maybe often to acknowledge how that can infect and infuse into all of our forms of engagement so don't hear me that uh digital is bad i I have a, a brother who like that's his world is online And I've had to reconcile that the ways that we engage online can be fruitful. However, I don't often find it to be the norm. So I think that's a big challenge we're going to have to face.
0: Pastor Stu, how is this season of ministry and life opening up new opportunities? And how should we be thinking ahead as a congregation in this season and and looking forward?
1: You know, about a hundred years and a bit ago, we, you know, the world went through a Spanish. I'm
0: gonna say when you were born. That is not appropriate,
1: Pastor Stu. That is um, not appropriate. A hundred years or so ago, we went through the Spanish flu uh, pandemic, if you will, and churches closed for over a year. And I think, even in short history, you know, just looking back just 100 years ago, um, for most of us, this feels like, wow, this is uh, apocalyptic, you know, this is end of world stuff. But the church has survived and thrived through very difficult times, even when it could not meet in the way that they were accustomed to. Um, I think I would answer your question specifically by saying I think this season teaches us something about Christian spirituality that is very important that there are deserts, that there are barren times. Um, In the West, we've made our spirituality about, you know, always gaining momentum and feeling like we're in control, but this pandemic has reminded us of our humanity. Uh, It has made us aware of our mortality. Um, I also think that uh, we value life more when we are brought to confront the reality of our own limitations. And so I think there's an opportunity for many of us to kind of realign values in this season, to get rid of things that don't really matter. But in the busyness of life, when all is well and economies are flourishing and we can do what we need to do, we don't have to pay attention to. The last thing I would say here is I would say that Scripture is replete with this desert imagery. Jesus goes through it. Israel works through it. I use the word liminality. Liminality is a sociological word. I hope that that meets with your approval. That's
0: very good so far. Uh,
1: But liminality is this space in between things. And sometimes in order for us to become what God is calling us to become, We have to leave the comfort or leave the places of familiarity. The church has done this historically. We have learned that even in the uncertain times, God can do some great things. So one of the things I've been doing is asking myself this question, what needs to die in order that new life can come forth? Is this a season where God is putting his hand on our life and saying there's some things that... That, you know, it's just not been good for us as a community of faith. Uh, yeah. To give a very practical example, when it comes to worship now, and this is weird, isn't it? I mean, like I'm sitting in a booth. The only thing that makes me feel good is I can see my reflection. And I'm like, that's a good looking guy. You know? uh, but... but But it's so strange, so weird to be in this kind of circumstance, and yet at the same time, I could bemoan it or I could recognize that it is helping us to focus on what matters. So when it comes to the limitation of online, we're watching the clock, all those kinds of things. We don't want to worship like that. There's bad things to it. But it has made me wonder from a worship perspective, what is worship about? if it is not about us being formed by the grace of God, when we come into this space, when we give of our time to this. And I think personally, we need to ask ourselves those, in questions, those questions of priority more and more. Uh, I'll, I'll stop there. Uh, Joel. Well,
0: that's good. Um, we could go in so many directions here. Um, and we won't, because as you noted, the clock and so <laughs> forth. So um, thank you the three of you for leading us uh, well this morning and and overall in our ministries here at Skyview. Uh, Pastor Stu, I wonder if you could conclude our time uh, in a word of prayer as uh, all of us grapple with the ways in which God is potentially calling us to change in these most uncomfortable times, but also to draw near to him in community. Um, Would you lead us in, in prayer toward this end?
1: Absolutely. Let us pray together. Father, your word reminds us that when you commissioned your disciples, you promised that you would be with them until the end of the age. That promise we cling to because you are our hope, not only in the good seasons of life, but during pandemics, not only in seasons of health, but in seasons of illness, you are our hope beyond the seasons of life. You are our hope that promises us that not even death will have a final say. Therefore, we glorify your name. We worship you. We recognize that our entire beings, all of who we are, is a gift from you. And we desire, even if, Father, at times we feel inadequate and incapable, we desire to live the life that is pleasing to you, giving back to you the life that you've given to us. And so I pray that as we had spoken and as we had talked about COVID and church, that you would have laid upon our hearts the things that perhaps we need to let go of. The false securities, the obsessions, the materialism, the priorities that has got in the way of your Lordship and your will, and become open to the renewing work that your Spirit can do in this time. Father, may we know your grace today in extra measure. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.